Ephesians chapter 1. It's not something that you might think about when you think about Christmas, but my friend, it is greatly connected. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to look at uh, this chapter here this morning, and what we're going to discover is the gift of Christmas, and the gift of Christmas is far greater than perhaps you realize, and it is my hope here this morning to spell it out here for you. So we're going to begin here at Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And as all of Paul's letters do, they begin with a greeting to the saints. And that greeting begins with an identification of the writer. Again, different uh, culture, different practices. You and I, we read a letter. First thing we do is we look at the envelope. Who's this from? Well, they didn't send them in envelopes, my friend. And so the writer identified themselves up front. And here we have uh, this greeting to the saints. The saints, the author's identity here is Paul, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. We know you, Paul. And then he identifies his audience to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, we could pause there for a moment and say, oh, to the saints in Ephesus, those must be the really spiritual people, you know, the good people, and they're always kind and tend to be quiet. Those are the saints, right? Friends, when the Scripture talks about the saints, he's talking about those whom God has set apart for himself. The word saint means to be set apart. We're going to see in just a few verses a little more in detail this setting apart, but that's what the word saint means. Now, I know that word has been co-opted by others to mean somebody, well, far better than you and me. But I want to tell you, friends, if you've put your faith in Christ, this letter is also addressed to you. So the author is Paul, the audience, the saints who are in Ephesus. And then as, of course, is the normal practice, the author's blessing. And here in verse 2, we read, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'll tell you what, my friends, how did they become saints? <laughs> well, verse 2 tells us a bit about it, that grace plus faith equals salvation, making you set apart for him. The grace of God is giving to us what we do not deserve, and that, my friends, is Jesus. Well, as we move on here to verse 3, we find this blessing continued, as Paul tends to do. He's, uh, he's known in, uh, in, in studies, he, he ha- tends to have run-on sentences. As a matter of fact, starting at verse 3, proceeding all the way to verse 14, in the Greek, this is one sentence. Verse 3 to 14, Paul, big time run on. He'll get on a point and then just keep running with it, okay? It's a mark of the apostle Paul. So take a look at it. He's in this blessing. He gives the source of our blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. And here we see the source of our blessing in Christ. 
He has blessed us in Christ. If you today are in Christ, how is it that we are in Christ? By faith in Christ. We are baptized into the body of Christ. We are now in a new relationship with God through Christ. The source of the blessing here, my friends, is God who has blessed us in Christ. And having given the source of this blessing, he gives the scope of the blessing with every spiritual blessing. The fact is, and we have said it so many times, you lack nothing in Christ. You have every blessing, every spiritual blessing that exists, my friends, you got it. Remember, the word blessing means favored or enabled. Favored or enabled. God blesses you. He shows his favor toward you or enables you or a combination of the two. So I want you to notice that everything we need for successful, satisfying Christian life is available to us. We don't need some other source. We don't need another person or another book. We have everything we need to experience, live out this satisfying Christian life because of God's blessing us through Christ. And then, of course, this is ended here by the sphere of our blessing. And I want you to notice carefully, the sphere of our blessing here is not earth, but it is in the heavenly places. And why? Why the heavenly places? How is that useful to us? Well, my friends, think of this. The Christ, uh, Christian's life is centered in heaven. I mean, Philippians 3.20 reminds us that if you are a follower of Christ today who have put your faith in Christ, your citizenship is in heaven. Your home is in heaven. In Luke, according to Luke chapter 10 and verse 20, our name is written in heaven. In Luke chapter 11, our Father is in heaven. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, Jesus reminds us of this. He instructs us saying, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. Why? Because he says there, moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. The stuff you can hold in your hand here, friends, will not last. It will not. It is temporary. Though your eyes get big with the size of the bows and the pile of the wrapping paper in two days. And the dreams that come along with those things. Oh, I know what I'm going to do with this. And it's going to be glorious. And it's just a matter before it's sitting outside your house hoping someone will pick it up for a quarter. The things of this world do not last. So Jesus, continuing on, reminds us to do this. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the principle. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, what you treasure is where your heart will be. 
Therefore, my friends, our attention ought to be centered on the things of heaven. And you might say to me, well, pastor, I mean, if we only think about things of heaven, then perhaps we might become so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. But I would tell you this, if you are not heavenly minded, you will be no earthly good. You will not make an impact in a place where you are no different than anyone else. And here is where it gets good, my friends. I mean, as if that hasn't been rich already to know that we have been blessed in Christ. We have been set apart just for him. God's grand scheme for you is unfolded in these next verses. This is Christmas. This is why Christ came. Yes, it absolutely began. The very foundation of all that we will see from here forth is this. That Christ died for your sin, rose from the dead. And you put your faith in him. The Spirit of God opened your eyes, drew you to faith in Christ. And you have no idea the blessings that followed, but you're going to. Because we're going to take a look. Here is the grand scheme from the saints. From the past to the future. This is the life, the, the blessing that God has called you to if you have put your faith in Christ today. And so we start by looking all the way back, friends, farther than we can even imagine. Because here in verse 4, continuing... Uh, of course, uh, from verse 3, being having been um, blessed in the heavenly places, even as he, we're talking about God the Father, chose us in him before the foundation of the world. This goes back a long way. You want to talk about Christmas planning? You say, ha, ha, I finished all my Christmas shopping in October. God did all his Christmas shopping before the foundation of the world. And the scripture says he chose us. That word chose, it, it is not just he picked out. It, it is a very personalized way. Some of you have bought perhaps some personalized gifts for someone. I know in a drawer I have at home, I have something personalized for my wife. This word chose means to pick out for yourself. When God shows you, he didn't do it the way the teachers do, you know, did you ever play that heads up, thumbs up game when you were a kid, you know, and somebody got picked to go around and, you know, how about you? Are you and it was like random choice. I don't know, you're wearing blue, why not you, you know? <laughs> when God shows us to be in a relationship with himself for all eternity, that happened before the foundation, before you ever get to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God chose you. God chose you. That's exactly what it says. Even as he chose us in him, that's in Christ, before the foundation of the world. And he chose us for himself and has purpose for us. Notice that he chose us to make us holy. That, that word that means purpose. For this purpose that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
holy and blameless before him. In other words, in all of the circumstances in your life, the good ones, the happy ones, and perhaps even especially the more difficult ones, he is using all of these things to conform you to the image of his son. He is making you into something you couldn't possibly be in your own self. He chose us that we should be holy and blameless before him. Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 2 in verse 14 and 15. He gave this instruction, do all things without grumbling and disputing. That stuff's easy, right? I mean, nobody needs a class in grumbling and disputing. You know, it's just pure selfishness. Well, I wanted something different. I wanted something more. I didn't want as much. You know, hey, that's mine. That should have been mine. Why do you have so much and I have so little? Why do I have so much and you have so little? Whatever it is, my friends. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. That, and there's that word that, and that means purpose, right? For this purpose, that you might be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Called us to be something different. And my friends, you will be. You will be. If you're following Christ, I'm not talking about, yeah, when I was in third grade, I think, I raised my hand and then I was a Christian and whatever the, the, the response to Christ in faith looked like for you. Maybe it was walking an aisle in an old church. Maybe it was in your living room listening to the radio. You heard the truth of the, truth of the gospel and something woke up within you. And you've been following him since. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. He chose us for himself with a purpose. And notice, he chose us to make us holy. And here in verse 5, he chose us to be his sons. Look at here, verse 5. He predestined us. He chose our destiny beforehand. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. Now, let me unpack that there for just a moment. He predestined us for adoption. You know what adoption is? Everybody knows what that is. In other words, God made you his child. He brought you into his family Friends, sometimes we can think of God as, as a general up there ordering the troops around here. Hey, get over there. Come on, get going over there. We need to get marching. Is that the way you see your heavenly father? <coughs> no. He chose you for himself to be his son 
No, no, if you're a lady here, you say, well, that must not be referring to me. Oh, it absolutely is. And the wonder of this world choosing you as a son is it communicated very clearly to a culture where all of the inheritance and all of the rights and all of the, uh, the, the, the wonder of, of the father went to the son. It was the first son that got the goods. And what he's saying here. He's not only did he choose you for himself, he chose to knock your socks off with his goodness. All of the things I have, I give to you. He's already given you his son. What in the world is he holding back, my friends? Not a darn thing. And so he chose us to make us holy and to be his sons. And verse 6 introduces a phrase that will be repeated two other times here in different ways, but very similarly. He chose us that his grace might be praised. Why did he choose us to make us holy, to be his sons? He chose us that his grace might be praised to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us, reminding us yet one more time in Christ. Christ is what makes all of this real for you and I. To the praise of his glorious grace. Yeah, there it is, my friends. In Jesus. This is the Jesus we celebrate for Christmas. It is not as if it wasn't enough that Christ saved us from the penalty of sin. But he saved us for an eternal, blessed relationship with God. Friends, this is stuff you really just need to ponder for a moment. We're talking about grace here, which means this, that I don't deserve it, and either do you. Grace is God giving to us what we do not deserve. You know, mercy is not giving us what we do deserve, and he is Shed both abroad in our hearts here, my friends. But notice here, God the Father chose us. We see that here in verse 4 to 6. Now we know a little bit more about what that looks like. Verses 7 to 10 remind us this. And he lavished grace upon us. That word lavished just means in abundance. And take a look at here, friends. He redeemed us through Christ's death. In him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches once again of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Lavished. Lavished. When I think of that, I think of classic grandma. And the kids come in and, oh, I've got some cookies for you. You like those chocolate? I got the oatmeal raisins. Or is that just me? I don't know. <laughs> and we got cupcakes, and it's like, Grandma, we can't eat so much. Oh, no, I got more. And that's the kind of grace that God lavishes upon us more and more and more. God is not skimpy with the grace here. God's grace and his riches and his blessing comes in abundance. That is what we celebrate at Christmas. 
that God gave us his absolute best. He gave us his son. And in his son, he gave us everything. He redeemed us through Christ's death. In him we have redemption. That word uh, redeemed, redemption. Apollo, uh, it doesn't matter what the Greek word is, you know. If you want to know, I'll show you later. It means to buy out out of the market. But particularly, this word was used in a slave market. You know, you know the stories. You saw the movie 300. You know, they go to battle. They enslave a bunch of losing troops. And then they sell them or they use them. But the option there was to buy yourself out of this slavery. And that word here, the Greek word used for he has redeemed us, is he has paid the price to set us free. He's redeemed us. And how did he do it? The scripture says, through his blood. You know, this is, this is a, a metaphor here. It, it wasn't a blood donation. You know, prick your finger, put it on the little vial, and they can go. It's a metaphor for his death. His death set us free. Bought us out of the slave market, friends. You say, I wasn't a slave. You absolutely were a slave to sin. And you couldn't get enough of it. And you slobbered all over yourself to get more. And you craved and longed and cheated and lied. And Christ set you free. So he lavished his grace. How? Well, he redeemed us through Jesus' death. And here in verse 9... He revealed his will to us, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth again in Christ. The linchpin for all of these things is Jesus. How is all of this great plan coming to us? It is coming to us in Christ. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. And that is to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You see, sin undid everything. Undid everything. You know, there was, God created a man and, and this man was at peace and harmony with everything around him. Animals, you know, and then God gave Adam, you may recall, the responsibility to name the animals. And here's a nice, cute little tiger. And, and Adam had nothing to fear. There's no anxiety on his pillow at night. He tossing and turning and wondering and worrying and spitting and growling and grinding his teeth over someone. There was absolute peace. In his world. Well, that is until sin. The kind of sin that separated a man from his God. A sin that caused a brother to pick up a rock and end his brother's life. Murder. And it got worse from there. And God's goal in Christ is to undo all of that. And he's done it and is doing it in our own lives today. So he lavished his grace upon us. 
He redeemed us through Jesus' death. He revealed his will to us. We know the end game is to reunite everything in him. And the way to do that is to eliminate sin. And finally here, friends, and this is the apex of it all. This is the very top of the mountain. He has given us an inheritance. Now, we briefly mentioned that when we talked about the word sons. He has made us his son. Sonship is the word. And he has given us an inheritance. We have obtained it, of course, in Christ. In him, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. There it is. We have the work of the Father in choosing us. We have the work of the Son in redeeming us. And now we are to be introduced to the work of the Holy Spirit. And take a look. So we have this inheritance so that we might be the first to hope in Christ. And having obtained this inheritance in Christ, we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Look at here, verse 13. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit about that. In him, that's in Christ, also when you heard the word of truth, that's the gospel, and we know what the gospel is. Christ died for our sin and he rose from the dead. We heard the gospel of our salvation and we believed in him. We were sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. What does this word sealed mean? Well, it could be one of three things. It could mean a, a finished transaction, you know, like a notary, a stamp, seal, you know, authenticating something. It could represent ownership. You know, this belongs to me, God putting his stamp on me and you. He chose us for himself, and now he has marked us for himself. The moment you put your faith in Christ... You were sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. And the third could be for security or protection. For example, uh, you know, when they put Jesus in this tomb. Remember the Romans put their seal on it. You know, it represented a couple of things there. <laughs> you know, ownership, but also security. You touch this, you're dealing with all of Rome. The force of Rome will come down upon you. Think about that. Security and protection. Yeah. But here's the wonder, my friends. Not only has the Spirit of God sealed us, Paul gives us further explanation of exactly what the Spirit of God is in our life. Here in verse 14, he says, the Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The guarantee 
What is the guarantee that we will inherit this great inheritance from God, this great prize, this great wonder? It is not based on you, my friend. None of it is. Did you see any of that? Well, as long as you're smart enough to figure this stuff out and you work hard enough. Friends, the whole work of salvation is done by God. We are just the recipients of his grace. He chose us for himself in this relationship. The spirit of God quickens us, awakens us to the gospel message, giving us the faith to believe we are sealed by that spirit. A guarantee. Another translation of that word guarantee is engagement ring. Another way to see this word was that same promise, ladies, when that guy put it on a ring, he says, you, you forever. You are the only one you are the one that I want. That's Christmas. That is what we celebrate because we have it all in Christ. Father chose us for himself, not just for a task. He chose us for himself. The Son redeemed us by his blood, and the Spirit of God now seals us for a day. And there was a day, my friends, there was a day when you came to faith in Christ, you were saved from the penalty of your sin. And even now, the Spirit of God works within us to save us from the very power of sin. But one day, one day we will be delivered from the very presence of sin. And the goal of God is to do something that you and I could not possibly imagine. And that is to spend an eternity with him in a sinless eternity. To be People who are just people of love, not people who love every now and again, going down a every now and again bumpy road. Oh, there's that one, and you try and respond to it. Just a consistent relationship with God and one another, nothing but love. Maybe the opposite of what you're thinking about with family and Christmas Day, and you got to get it just right because there's that one or two people, they hate this, they hate that, they, and they're, and you just kind of grumble a little bit in your heart, it'll all be gone. The inheritance is God. All of his goodness, all of his greatness, all of his marvel, all of him. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So my friends, as we wrap it up here and we put it in a statement, we could put it this way. God gives the best Christmas presents. Keep your eyes on that one. You want to celebrate Christmas? Spend some time in this passage and realize all that you have 
in Christ. So this Christmas, I recommend that we follow the instruction that we're given in this passage. Father chose us to the praise of his glory. The Son redeemed us. The praise of his glory. The Spirit of God sealed us to the praise of his glory. So praise the God who blessed you in Christ. If you have entered a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, in response to the gospel, praise him. Praise him. Praise him in song. Praise him in action. Praise him in silence and praise him in great volumes, my friend. Praise him by saying yes and praise him by saying no. Yes to what is good and what honors him and saying no to what shames his name. We have the Spirit of God, a finished transaction, ownership, security, and we have an earnest Surety as it is, the Spirit of God, praise Him. Praise the God who blessed you. Praise the God who redeemed you in Christ. And praise the God who made us an heir with Christ. That, my friends, is Christmas. So be grateful for the gifts, expressions of love and kindness They probably worked hard to find that one particular thing that you just had to have. Or maybe it was just plain easy because they knew exactly. But don't get lost in it. The things won't last. Love the people. They're the only things that do.